Hi, everybody. On this week's episode of ADHD 20, we have special guest Evan Pivens. ADHD 20 is a podcast that explores the intersection of ADHD and TTRPGs. We're getting better and better at that, Matt. Stay tuned, because we're going to see if by the end of the episode, we'll be able to diagnose Evan with ADHD, OCD, GAD, or something else. All the alphabets. Mm -hmm. STDs. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Um, Should I be talking yet? Yeah, why not? We keep it loose and easy. Easy, breezy, beautiful. ADHD 20. (laughs) Great. Always. Hi, Allison. How are you? Hi, Matt. I'm great. How are you? I. I'm very excited about today because our guest today is someone I've known for 49 years. Wild. I love him dearly. He is the other founder of Bivens Brothers Creative. This is my brother, Evan Bivens. Welcome, Evan. Hey, everybody. Would thank you. <laughs> That's exactly what you sound like all the time. <laughs> this, this is what I sound like now. Um, Ooh, I'm starting funny. a new company. It's called Thermanos. <laughs> <laughs> I just need a turtleneck yeah. and um, and a jail sentence. Yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, yeah. Really good. tight. Yeah. Right. And, and we have a, an assortment of topics to discuss with our not quite diagnosed, but considered neurospicy friend, Evan, today. But first, <laughs> let's let's do some other stuff that we like to do here yeah. around ADHD 20. Let's so, Evan, uh, yes. did you come prepared with a D100? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, I did. Oh, let's let's see. I'm I'm gonna make a dice gremlin out of you both. I just you you heard it here, ADHD twenty listeners. Okay, I have a number. Tell me, that number is thirty six. What's the story behind your name? Well, there actually is a story behind my name. That's funny. Um. My, my, uh, Evan is my first name and, uh, it is, yeah. Evan is the Welsh name for John in case you didn't know. And, um, originally my parents had considered naming me John Bivens the third, but my dad was like, no, no, no. He was John Bivens Jr. We're not having John Bivens the third, um, way too pretentious, but he did know that the, the Welsh name for john was evan and and the name the the surname bivens is also welsh and it originally uh would have been spelled something like b apostrophe and b apostrophe in, in welsh would be something like mcdonnell or o'donnell like in in, in ireland or, or scotland or something like that of means of and so a B- bivens would have been b apostrophe evan of evan so John, son of John, is what my name literally means. Ah. Mm-hmm. There you go. My brother's name is also Evan, and my mom picked his name out of a hospital database. <laughs> How cold! How did she get her hands on a hospital database? My mom worked. <laughs> my mom worked at a hospital. Uh, oh, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> She would come home with stories of dumb things people's names were, like that were on the hospital 
role. And yeah, we my similarly, my parents, my mom wanted to name my brother Andrew David after my dad, Albert David, and my dad said, no, this is a trend. And so mom turned to the, she would like check the inpatient, outpatient records every day until she found a name she liked, and it was Evan. Wow. See, it's, a, it's a pretty good, it's a decent name. It's a decent it's name. A great... When I was really little, I thought I, it was embarrassing because I was different than everybody, and I, I wanted to be, you know, I was already too different from everybody. I was too nerdy. And, um, but now, you know, that you don't need enough. that many Evans in life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John of John of John, Evan of Evans. We love it. Yeah. You're yeah. the evidiest Evan that we've ever known. <laughs> <laughs> to I didn't name it twice. Um, well, welcome, Evan Bevan. Evan is not only my brother, but he is an incredibly talented graphic designer, web web designer, Get out of here, digital designer. He Get is out. Uh, a, a drummer extraordinaire. Get out of here. I'm warning you. <laughs> and towards the show, he is also uh, definitely, not that I've played with a ton of players, but he is the first person I ever played Dungeons and Dragons with, for sure. Same! And same. And he's a fantastic player at this. Aww, yeah, All of these nice. things are true. Uh, I have basically been lucky enough. I, I, I have so many things that I feel... Hashtag blessed about. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have an amazing wife. I don't know how I found her, but I also have an amazing brother. And I just, I, I know this doesn't work for everybody. I always say this. I know it doesn't work for everybody, so don't feel bad about it. But somehow my brother and I have been able to be best friends since we were little and have been able to work together our whole lives on almost every project. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I couldn't imagine any other way to do this. You Life. know, I forget. I forget that, that other siblings don't have the yeah. relationship that you and I have. And when, mm -hmm. then I, when I'm reminded of that, I f I'm so sad for them. That's right. I feel super lucky because, because I've well, been able to. Thanks, brother. Uh, thanks, brother. Same. Same. Back at you. Yeah. Uh, we have a live stream together called The Biv Bro Show, where yeah. we talk about a bunch of things, more and more these days about D&D, but all, all manner of things that we like to do. So that's been fun. And uh, but, but we've been wanting to get him on this show because uh, Allison and I have learned so much. I think Evan just got jealous. We've learned so much about our neurodivergent <laughs> brains. I know, yeah. Uh, FOMO for real. <laughs> FOMO for real. Everybody wants to be diagnosed with some kind of spicy brain. <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, spice FOMO. Feeling so, left out, no, feeling normy and boring. You Come on, hit me with no, it. No, no, no. <laughs> normy <laughs> and boring are two words I would never use to describe you, Evan. Let's just yeah, get no, that no. out of the way right now. Okay, great. Uh, this is actually a bait and switch. We got you on the podcast today under the pretense of us diagnosing you, but really you're here to tell everybody in the world how much it sucks to work with two people. <laughs> <laughs> the floor is yours, go. Oh, How wow. challenging it may be. No, wow. I think, <laughs> I, think uh, I think a, a bit of both things, right? Like, here's, okay, <laughs> here, here's one thing that we've discovered. Uh, Evan and I work, tend to work very well together. And mm -hmm. I think that one reason that we're, we've always been able to work together is because, again, pre-diagnosis for me, we discovered that uh, my strengths were not as not as much his maybe and then and definitely vice versa as far as mm -hmm. 
elements of focus or elements of, I don't know, big picture-ness. But both, all of them are very important, but somehow we've been able to kind of find that lock in. Uh, and getting diagnosed with ADHD, but then especially starting this podcast and talking about it all the time really does, you know, we call it armchair diagnosis, right? So I have been waiting for this. So because number one, Evan's like, I want an armchair diagnosis, but also number two, uh, we are very, very curious as to what it's like working with people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be a challenge in many ways. Maybe well, a delight? Yeah. Uh, yeah, sometimes it is a delight. Um, and, I mean, working with you guys is always a delight. Uh, the ADHD <laughs> experience is sometimes a delight. You know, the funny thing for me is that we didn't... We, we, what year were you diagnosed, both of you guys? Close to a decade ago. Yeah, a decade or so. And then, brother, yeah, yeah. we've, I mean, you were diagnosed. Like when I was 30-ish or, or. That late? Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, wow. Okay, that's, that's surprising. actually towards the end of the, of the rock band, honestly. Because I was in a spiral of what the hell. Interesting. Uh, Okay. Well, I remember very clearly, I'll do a little preamble. This has nothing to do with working together. But I remember the first time I saw your ADHD and didn't really know what it was. I didn't know what was happening. And I, I, um, I felt very bad for you. We were moving out of our apartment together. Um, We had that cool apartment in Charleston. Mm -hmm. And you were trying to pack up your room and you were sitting in the floor with just stuff everywhere, completely shutting down. And I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know how to help you. Um, I didn't know, you know, of course, in back then, you know, my first thought was what you just do it. You just (laughs) pack. Right. Right. I didn't say that to you. I don't think, I don't know what I said to you, if anything at all. You you did get angry. (laughs) I did. (laughs) Which, yeah. Well, we, we were on a time we did. We had to be out like that day. So. You should have been angry. You definitely should have been angry. Well, I don't yeah. know about should have, but well, I don't know that I was. I don't remember being angry. I knew that we had a time constraint. But anyway, mm-hmm. that was the first time I remember seeing it. Um, so anyway, that was probably, gosh, 2006, maybe. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to 2008. You and I are living in Chicago. We are broke. We start a business and uh, we may, we're making websites. And we've been working together ever since in a more, you know, increasingly structured way over time, especially since AK joined us far more structured, far more functional. Um, Probably a large amount of that time, it wasn't as visible to us because it was just you and me. And, you know, we were cutting our teeth in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, there there still wasn't enough structure that we really showed itself or mattered or we felt it in any way but in recent years when we've been leveling up and leveling up and all of a sudden things are more structured and there's more clients and there's more projects uh, more deadlines more stuff in the past year especially uh, that was when we were like wait a minute this is this is something that we oh wait we should probably talk about this and especially Mm -hmm. with AK coming on as well and um, having her own flavor of ADHD, then then we really, really said, oh, gosh, we have to figure out how to make this work for us and work mm-hmm. with this. Um, 
So my first goal, I'm just talking a lot, but my first goal as we started those conversations was to number one, be very sensitive to the fact that anybody with ADHD, because I, I learned a lot from you guys, you know, saying to somebody, just focus, right? Do it saying all the wrong things that just aren't going to help anybody. It's not productive. And then honestly, the more that I listen to this podcast, the more you guys explore your own ADHD, right. the right. more I understand it, the more empathy and compassion that I have for it. Um, so um, that's my starting point. I, I laid cool. the, I paved the road. I'll stop talking now. You, you have, yeah. Evan really case book did everything right in this situation where, just as you said, we, we started realizing, okay, we work very differently. We work very differently. And this is a challenge. I, I wouldn't even necessarily call it a problem, but is 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 something that like any workplace environment can be worked on. And you you just said, look, I'm going to listen. I'm going to learn along with you. Uh, I am going to talk to you about this. I'm going to talk to you about my own feelings of uh, you know, how I feel that my brain doesn't quite fit in with the quote unquote, uh, neurotypical world. Right. Nice. Uh, and you really did case book, just check all the, the things, ask, talk to invite, welcome, listen, you know, all these things that, that we're learning is, is just so important. And so like, as you said, like you just don't know. And 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 anytime anytime someone's like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i'm so i'm, I'm so sorry i did, you know i didn't i didn't know it's it's okay yeah it's, it's okay if you don't know it's a like you know yeah, I, most people don't like know it, yeah most people don't know so evan really has been amazing at at this uh this aspect of of workplace stuff I'm surprised that there's, I mean, maybe there is, I just don't, you guys, you have a coach, Matt, AK, you don't have a coach, but I guess there are people who are investigating. Mm -hmm. I have a therapist. <laughs> it's yeah. not the same thing as a coach, but working with somebody outside of my immediate circle who only knows me within a certain context mm -hmm. can be supremely helpful because they can pick up on things that like you're either your friends and family aren't because they're too close to it or that because they're too close to it, somebody might not feel comfortable saying that this kind of outsider can say, well, actually mm -hmm. so yeah. yeah what were you saying well i was just thinking about like is there a template out there for here is how um adhd how you can make your adhd work for you and your coworkers in in a in a structured workplace like if there's um that kind of coaching and or an, documentation an ADHD playbook yeah primer for how like because people don't know, right? Yeah. Um, an example, my beautiful wife, Elise, it's not to do with ADHD, but she is the director of HR for her company. She yeah. had um, an employee with a, with a diagnosed neurospicy condition. Condition? Dang. Uh, they had their neurospicy um, diagnosis, and it was creating some issues with their other employees who didn't understand. It was like creating friction so that's just to say that most people don't they don't whether mm -hmm. they're they they don't know it themselves about themselves or they don't know how to deal with somebody else that yeah. we've certainly hit all these bumps in the road of like okay um 
object impermanence. And, and I, I know that you guys have recently redefined this, so I'm curious to know what that is. But, um, you know, for an, an example of kind of early on, we'd say, okay, there's something we need to do. We're, we're having our, our morning meeting or a, a weekly meeting. Okay, here's something we need to do. Great. We all agree that we need to do it. Awesome. Cool. Get off the meeting next week. <laughs> what do we need to do? What, what okay. happened? Let's do, oh, remember that thing? Let's do it. Uh, and that was something that we eventually realized, oh, shoot, if you don't write that down, literally, if you don't put it in front of you, um, it's gone. Yeah. So, you know, that's just one of the things that we've tried to create. Mecha- we put mechanisms in place, and aka you did it just this morning. It's like, let's do this. If we're going to do this, let's write it down and put it in front of us so we don't forget. And that is that is a... That is a journey that that I think Allison and I are both, you know, still on. St- oh, well, I we think we'll always, we'll, yeah. we'll always yeah. be on, and it is, you know, um, but yeah, it is. It is. There's so much of that, and really, it's it's interesting because one, we're going to start getting into the ways that we are similar as far as our brains work, and I know that one kind of crossroad, one uh, Venn diagram center is is uh, RSD is the is the sort of feeling of Allison tell me rejection sensitive dysphoria thank you rejection mm-hmm. sensitive dysphoria uh, where you're worried about what other people think and also that applies to yourself as well as well where you will beat yourself up and you'll say these mm. things uh, and we all as you know I don't really know why but I, I think that though there's a big part of it for all of us there. Um, and, and so, so much of it is, yeah, we're going to, we're going to say this thing. We're going to do it next week. Okay. It didn't happen. We're going to write it down. Okay. It still didn't happen. Still didn't happen. Okay. And, and we're going to not beat ourselves up, yep. which is what we've spent lifetimes doing. And that's right. That's what we're And that do. is the game changer with the three of us, I think, and what we have as far as our business and our play is the grace. I think that a lot of us spend a lot of time not being extended any grace. And so to work with fellow neurospicy types who say, hey, I see ya. Yeah. I accept you as you are. And if, if we forget to do it this week because we didn't write it down, not one of us remember to put that on a calendar. Yes. The world is not going to come screeching to a halt, believe it or not. Um, right. And that's that's been all the difference for me because I think that now I am a fairly productive person, but I didn't used to be. And I realized it was because I didn't have that grace. So mm-hmm. thanks, bros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Grace is it. Grace is it. So, you know, again, I feel like we say a lot, find your people, find your, your, find um, your party, well, find your party, <laughs> find your damn party. <laughs> I like, I like to party. Evan, Evan are, are you Evan. ready for us to diagnose you yeah i thought you were baiting baiting, you baited and switched me oh i was being funny i I actually have some tools and some hypotheses and if if you want us to we can we can do it i have a question first though i I just wanted to know why what what about say listening to our podcast talking to us as friends what makes you think that you might that your brain might be neurodivergent Uh, what makes me think that that i that I am, that I do have some kind of spice. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I feel like in some way I have suspected 
for a really long time. That maybe the the first day that I learned that hyper focus was a an aspect of ADHD, I wondered, mm-hmm. I wondered, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that for me is something that is very easily turned on. Um, but I do have days where uh, I feel like I experience, and they're 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 not necessarily back to back. I don't, I haven't ever drawn um, any kind of conclusion or drawn a thread between okay here's cause and effect of i ate this the night before or i didn't get enough sleep and then like i haven't written it down i haven't done the science to to really identify what's affecting what but i'll have days where i feel uh, i cannot focus at all i mean everybody has these days so it's it's not doesn't necessarily mean that you have adhd but um but it those days feel so much like what you guys are describing and what i know that you're going through that it's like okay you know if it if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck um why wouldn't hyperfocus just be my brand um there's also some emotional components of it that i i find interesting like the rsd part i'm not ashamed to admit that a lot of what has, uh, when you guys started talking about that, I started to see a lot of similarities in codependence, which uh, is something that I've been working on uh, within myself uh, in the past few years, both with my individual therapist and then uh, group therapy and all kinds of therapy. Uh, I, I married myself nice. as part of a journey to um, become. Sweet ring. Yeah, it is a sweet ring. It's, it's wooden on the inside. Here, I'll show you. It's very cool. Can you see that? Yeah, talk about talk about yeah. that, Biv, because uh, t- tell us more about marrying yourself. The marry yourself journey. You want to know about the marry yourself journey, huh? I'd love to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, <clears throat> my the my our my group th- therapy therapist. Uh, her name is David Joy Gauss. Um, she is one of those special human beings that. Uh, you just, it's like, I wish that everybody had my brother, Matt, as their brother. I wish that everybody's therapist could be Deva. Uh, Deva started the program years and years and years ago, actually, when she was getting divorced. Mm. Um, and from her husband, uh, they're actually now remarried. They've been remarried for years. They got back together. Uh, it was a happy ending. But they broke up the first time, and she was feeling very codependent, right? And just had, I guess I should back up and say, does everybody know what codependency is? No. I mean, yes, but no. Okay. In, in, in the way that you're using it so so uh, confidently. I'll just read you here the definition of codependent from, according to Google. Uh, codependent, I have to take out my glasses. Um, I have to put my glasses back on. It's too, too far away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> codependent. Characterized by excessive emotional or psychological reliance on a partner, typically one who requires support on account of an illness or addiction. So that's Google's thing. That was not how it was explained to me by Deva. I'm not going to be able to paraphrase what she said, but she basically described me. (laughs) And and it had never been done before. But the way that I experience it, is is primarily in um it's incredibly uncomfortable for me to be in a relationship with someone where um something feels off is something is wrong if i i'm constantly pinging to make sure that everything is okay that Mm. and i will do anything i'll say anything 
I will try and I'll keep asking, are, are you okay? Is it, and, and I'm not just asking, and I, you know, for a long time, I didn't know that I was doing this, but I didn't know that I was asking not to, to genuinely see how they're doing. I was making sure that I had not made them feel bad or they weren't angry with me. Really, it was that. It was angry. So for the for those of you who don't know me out there, or Matt, I suppose, we we grew up in a house, our dad. He loved us very much. And I don't know if, brother, you can speak for yourself, but I always knew that I was loved by him. Oh, yeah. But, 100%. but um, he was also a man who was very complicated. He struggled with anger a lot. And therefore, our... Um, our house growing up was very scary oftentimes mm -hmm. and uh, unpredictable. And so you grew up making tools for yourself unbeknownst to yourself or anyone else to make sure that you're okay, that, uh, to see if like, okay, I'm going to check and see if, if he's angry and if he is, mm -hmm. is it, is it, what did I do? What do I, and what can I do to stop that? That's my experience of codependency. I, I, I know this different for everybody else. What's always been explained to me about codependent relationships and codependency is that when your mental and emotional health and sometimes physical health and well-being is wrapped up in someone else, likely whose mental, emotional and physical health is also wrapped up in yours. So it's like if one person starts to do well, the other person whose well-being is wrapped up in that person is going to try and tilt the scale to bring it back. And so maybe there's a difference between being codependent and codependent relationships. And that's what kind of makes that, well, that pendulum actually, or that scale. I mean, that might be true. In my case, it's not true. Right. So in, the, in this group, when we first joined, the way that David described these early pathways that get formed is you're a kid, right? You're really, really young. And, um, your parents, the people around you, your community, they kind of grow into you. I, I always think of um, Hedwig and like the origin of love and like the yin yang kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like that, except it can be really out of balance, right? Like your parents are either mm -hmm. really overbearing and really in your space. So you shrink to get out of that, mm -hmm. out of their way, or they overlap it, or they're really distant. And so you're Same. constantly like trying to like get Same more and more and more from them. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. that becomes your shape. And so when they're gone, when you're moved on, you're, you're living your life as an adult, you're still in that shape. And you were, unbeknownst to yourself, you were seeking out people to fill that shape. And that's exactly what I did. The amazing thing about that is that it's a real opportunity for healing. If you're lucky like me and you have a spouse who is on the, that healing journey with you, then then it, it can be really transformative. And so identifying codependency in my life and what that meant, um, particularly the, the biggest part of it was finding my voice because that was something that Matt and I weren't allowed to have as kids mm. in the house. It's like literally the message was be quiet, right? You're too loud. I can't, you know, you're, you're playing, you're just being a kid. That's too loud for me. Yeah. I can't um, think. Yeah. So, the 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 medicine for this is to find your voice and to try to to find it and use it to identify what it is and um and then start using it and a lot of people i imagine are, are like what do you mean that you just use your voice right they, if you don't experience it then you don't know what yeah. i'm talking about and and that's okay good good for you um, so the marry yourself journey, most of the guys who are in the circle, and I think originally they were probably 12 fellas. Most of us had codependent behavior patterns. 
Davis started this uh, when she got divorced. And she, being a therapist, devised a way to take back her life, take control of the, you know, of her life and not have this thing drive her behavior. And um, she's very much an earth mother. <laughs> um, and so there's a lot of woo woo. Like okay. Woo. Yeah. Well, she, she's your, she's your lady. You're going to, you're going to love Deva. Well, it, it's interesting though. What you're talking about is in the woo woo world, what we call woo woo world, say that five times fast, what we call shadow work. It's a lot around healing your inner child. It's a lot under like all of the unseen things. That's why it's called shadow work because we're not necessarily aware they exist below the surface and in shadows. And so shadow work is exactly what you're talking about. Rewiring those neural pathways because what's happening in our brain is when trauma is present, we're immediately pulling from that almost like a muscle memory. And that's why sometimes we snap and we have these really big emotional responses to things that the rest of the world's looking at going, it's not a big deal. And you're like, it's the biggest deal, right? Um, and so it, this right. work, what you're talking about, shadow work, et cetera, is literally refiling that where it needs to be. So that mm -hmm. way, when something triggers a response, you don't automatically go to the trauma response. So it's fascinating that you and I have both been working on shadow work, calling it different things. But please continue with Marry Yourself. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's different methodologies. And, I, you know, I've never heard Deva use the word shadow work. We, we do actually in the, in the MYJ, pretty young thing, <laughs> in the Marry Yourself journey, we do talk about shadow but mm -hmm. it's in a totally different context. Okay. So for so th it's a whole course, and it's a it is more of a journey, mm -hmm. um, in, where you're going to dive into subjects like the masculine and feminine in every person, and mm -hmm. the the shadow parts of masculinity, and the light parts of masculinity, and who you know. And like one of the things that we did was okay, identify all the men in your life um, who've had the most impact on you. And what are their traits and what, you know, then you try to figure out, okay, which of these traits are more of the shadow, like a darker, like a negative impact, toxic masculinity. And what are the, the, the lighter mm -hmm. sides, like the, uh, you know, the, the positive elements. And as you go into the course further and further, and you do that with the feminine as well, who are the women in your life and both their feminine and masculine traits. So it's, you know, it's with everybody. And then you keep digging deeper and deeper, and we started looking at um, the four masculine archetypes, um, the king, the lover, the magician, and the warrior, and the shadow and light aspects of each of these archetypes, and how, what parts in your life are you embodying, uh, which parts need you want to call in more of. And so we would meet monthly, and we would, you know, kind of perform rituals around these things and whatever the subject at hand was, uh, masculine, feminine, the archetypes. I mean, we did this for a full year and it, it's so much that it's like, I, I've, it's hard to recall all of it um, in, in one second, but we actually just had our last meeting this past Saturday oh, wow. and um, I got married in April but there were two fellows in the group who weren't ready. We were all meant to get married on the same day and everyone performs a ritual. It's like a level of woo-woo you guys cannot imagine me taking part in, <laughs> but um, I'm, I was, I'm there for it. Uh, anyway, there were two guys in the group who, who just didn't feel ready yet. So they said, we need a few more months to really kind of internalize things and, and dig a little bit deeper. And so 
um, that just was this past Saturday. We came back. Everybody came to witness their um, wedding. And it was, man, I mean, a year later, the, the thing that, as we were all kind of talking about, you know, wh- how have we transformed over this year? What have we learned? What's happened? And the, the thing that I identified for myself was somewhere along the way, I, st- I came into this just internal anxiety and all of these feelings that I was just, it, life was hard a, a year ago internally for me. Um, for all kinds of different reasons. And, uh, I was, I came at this, like I needed this therapy. Like I was gripping it really hard. Like I was so focused on, I need this to, to help me figure out how to make my life better. (laughs) And somewhere along the way, as I was learning more and more, something happened and I'm not sure exactly when it happened, but that grip started to relax and, I was reminded of my own faith in myself uh, as somebody who knows that there's no such thing as uh, there's no goal to mental health and emotional health. There's their journey and trusting that you're going to rise to every occasion. Um, and that's the best that anyone can ever do, right? To strive to be the best version of yourself. And that was the thing that I, I came away with of like, man, this really helps me see and embody that helps me find my own voice and know when to use it, know how to be less reactive, which to bring this back to you guys is a part of our business relationship is part of the thing of working with people with ADHD is being reactive is the thing that's going to shut you down immediately. If I react, Mm -hmm. if I get pissed off at something, I'm like, what the hell? That's not only going to just not do anything useful. It's actively going to be painful for you guys. It's a, it's a layer deeper than that, right? With the RSD. Yeah. So anyway, this is just part of the journey that I've been on to to Damn. try and be these things, do these things. I have not heard this the the extent of the story. See, my brother is just a bad <laughs> mother. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's so cool, and I didn't. I can't believe I. I, I didn't know every detail about that, but well, I don't um, talk about it that much. I'm definitely talking yeah. about it a whole lot right now on y'all's podcast. Figuring so, it all out. So, going back to the to the to the codependency thing, one thing that I've been curious about and asking you guys, I don't know how much you've explored this or not, is what is the? I'd love to see the Venn diagram between codependency and RSD, which share a lot of similar um, symptoms. I'd say, like. Mm the people pleasing, the fear of rejection or anger that someone's upset uh-huh. with you. Um, like what, what is coming from what side? Like, Oh, is that my codependency or is that my RSD <laughs> or are they both firing at the same time or what? Well, my understanding of RSD um, is less about us doing things for a positive, negative, or neutral reaction, right? And more the internalized way that we react when we get either a negative or a neutral reaction. Um, Mm. You know, so it's not that my RSD is forcing me to go out and seek Matt's praise. Otherwise, I'm worried that he doesn't love me anymore. But more about if Matt and I are talking and he gives me a neutral response, me then internalizing that as what if Matt doesn't love me anymore? 
Does that framing mm. help or? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's Matt's, interesting. Matt's brow furrowed. <laughs> well, no, I was going to say, I, I do see the symptoms, the yeah. trait being similar. And I was going to say that RSD for me too is what explains my inability to call a doctor or to set up something. It has a lot to do with strangers as well, yep. where that would not be a codependency necessarily. I mean, it could, it could, it could yeah. too. And I, so I'll give a quick anecdote example of RSD flaring up for me on my recent vacation where I was with a lot of people that I know incredibly well and, and do feel both grace and freedom with. Um, I noticed that I was getting a lot of, I don't care. I don't care. Anytime I would ask, what do we want for lunch? Do we want to go somewhere today? What time do we want to leave? Everybody's always going, I don't care. I don't care. And that drives me crazy when mm-hmm. people give me an I don't care. Mostly because most of the time people do care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's right. like, to say, so say your opinion. There is no wrong opinion here. We're all just sharing ours. And I need to know because I'm a morning person. So if you're, if you're leaving the departure time up to me, I'm picking nine. We're going you know, mm-hmm. and then now you're going to be salty about it because you'd rather sleep in and have a nice leisurely morning. And, you know, and, and that's my RSD fueling my responses. And so I finally mm-hmm. lashed out because here's what I realized. People who repeatedly say, I don't care whenever I ask them their opinion, give me decision fatigue. And then that makes me cranky mm. and act out because I now feel like I'm having to do more of the work because mm. you're giving me a neutral response. Yeah. And my RSD is having me interpret that neutral response as a negative because that's one of the big pillars of RSD that we've learned about is we assume neutral equal negative most of the time um, which was fascinating to learn about so I do wonder when it comes to seeking if maybe that is where the intersection is right the the when you're seeking a response from somebody and they're giving you a neutral or a negative what flip that triggers and any of our sweet little narrow spicy brains. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm like a, um, on the codependent side of that spectrum, I'm like a human barometer. Like I don't have to seek anything. It's like, I can tell like when the pressure changes in the room, it's, it's mm. after that happens that I am compelled to say, are you Okay. But I, it's like I, my, because of growing up the way that we did, my, I'm so attuned to. Hyper aware. Oh my God. It's like, it's, it's, it's a curse. So your work has been kind of focused on similar to us. So if that's your, if that's the kind of thing that you, you need to watch because you're not, you're not always aware that you're doing it. Right. Is that uh, what you're saying? No, oh. I'm pretty aware, actually. Now, now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay now, right. Um, right. The, the trick is to to be aware is to know when it's happening and not do it because it's triggering for Elise. If I'm just constantly pinging her, it's just annoying. I mean, if anyone's pinging you all the time, it's it, it's it, it can be exhausting, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I one of the things you know you try to do is just sit in the discomfort. Uh, when you are a codependent person, you have to sit in the discomfort of the feeling that you're having and let it pass, right? It's like, well, I don't need to ask them if they are okay. Yeah. And if I have done something that is affecting their mood or feeling or way they perceive me or whatever it is, that's okay. That's It'll get resolved, right? Like yeah. I don't need to ping this person right now 
So one of the bits of research that I did in preparation for this episode was research because I have been using them interchangeably and realized I, I was doing so incorrectly, researching the difference between an impulse and a compulsion. Mm-hmm. And then okay. that read, led me on a path of uh, if we are going to diagnose Evan, what do we think it might be and, and, and what, what some of the language you've used and things like that. But you saying that really. So I, I want to read this really quickly because it ties in beautifully. And I, I want to say that I, I feel you very hard on that, because when I think I've done something to set somebody off, I, I like I just want to get in their space real quick and just be like, are you OK? Are you OK? Are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? So. Mm-hmm. There, yes, uh, so hard on that. So, uh, impulse versus compulsion. A behavior is compulsive when you have the urge to do it repeatedly until a feeling of anxiety or unease goes away. A behavior is an impulse when you do it without forethought and without considering the consequences. Well, I'm both. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but not necessarily at the same time. Not but... necessarily at the same time. But yeah. I realize I do definitely have these compulsions of like, I will not rest until this is resolved. Usually my impulsivity is what led me to that feeling. <laughs> Usually my impulse right. feeds my compulsions. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're all caught in, in endless loops. Yeah. Um, I, I am not qualified to diagnose you as having codependency in any way. But that describing that is very, yeah. very much like what I feel very often. Yeah. You know, it's like these are these things are ancient for us. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they are are it's, there's lineage stuff to it. It's not yeah. even, you know, it's, it goes beyond your experience. But at the, at the very least, it goes back to before you had words. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you were experiencing things, and they're very hard to rewire. But you you can, you definitely can. The now, fact <laughs> that you tied a musical analogy metaphor into all of this with the like that that headwig like there's only so much space. I'm going to be thinking about that for a very long time. Mm-hmm. It, it really is. That was a transformative visual to have. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, God, I saw myself so clearly. Another thing that was on my on my mind was just the as we've talked about before. It, we've come a long way. Scientists have come a long way to, to even talk about neurodivergence. Like, these are things that no one talked about. Right. Like mm-hmm. e- even when we were in our 20s, Biv, Everybody talked about dysfunctional families, dysfunctional mm-hmm. parents. We're talking about more genetic brain differences, right? And we're learning about, you know, and people are asking, hey, is everybody autistic now? Well, yeah. maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and more importantly, is OCD and ADHD and codependence and dyslexia, are they all, th- these are untapped things, my coach says, like, there is no way to map the brain right now until we figure out how to like really be able to do that in, in the way that would be helpful. We're just kind of kind of guess. But one, the other place that that RSD really, really shows up is in levels of autism, autistic, mm-hmm. autistic spectrum. Okay. And, hmm. and that, that could just simply be that could simply mean that Allison and I have we are on the spectrum, which probably we are if. If they decide ADHD is not really a thing, actually, no, you're yep. you're on a spectrum of something, right? Hmm, so yeah. whatever okay. they end up calling it. Okay, okay, I just wanted to before I forget this, you had asked me a little, a little while ago, why do I think that I might be um, on the ADHD spectrum? And that is something that I, I mean, it's not uncommon for a lot of people to experience imposter syndrome, but I do fear judgments. 
of others and I'm sensitive to judgment of others. And, and especially in our work, you know, mm-hmm. the only real medicine for me in that regard is to get better at what you do, but also to look at your work and to know that it's, you know, no work is ever perfect, but that it's like, okay, this is kick-ass. I believe in myself, but still every, you know, oftentimes every time I start a new project, there is some moment of, God, I suck at this. Um, so I don't know if this is necessarily exactly RSD, but I do have those feelings. Mm-hmm. Arm, armchair diagnosis. Let's go. Uh, everything that you're describing is general anxiety disorder. So this excessive oh, worry. So um, dis- disappointing. This Both the excessive worry and then the worry being disproportionate to what's in relationship to is also a, a, a tenet, a, a pillar, if you will, of general anxiety disorder. Um uh, no, so, that. but uh, so to, you would ask a question a minute ago about RSD. My understanding again with RSD is what makes it RSD versus I don't like rejection, which is a human condition. It's the interpretation of neutral. That's the game changer. And why this is more prevalent in ADHD brains, my understanding is that our brains, ADHD brains, neurospicy brains, neurodivergent brains interpret pain differently. So when we're talking about RSD, it's the interpretation of the signals somebody else is sending, not the anticipation of. That's kind of the crux of this. Um, And so that's why it's more prevalent in people with ADHD, but not exclusive to. Um, But it sounds like a lot of what you're describing, because I came into this going, is it OCD? Is it GAD? Is it ADHD for you, Evan? Mm -hmm. Um, and, And the Venn diagrams and things like what you keep describing over and over again are not compulsions always. I'm sure we all have some compulsions, but is just worry, just is the wrong word. Let me not, let me not weaken that, is worry, anxiety, and distress over a variety of topics, sometimes disproportionate to the reality of the situation. Okay. Do you hate me? I want a second I think opinion. that's pretty cool, Biv. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> I want a second opinion, Doc. So, someone who is, yes, uh, again, not, not qualified <laughs> to do this. Um, you, you mentioned something a minute ago that I, that I wanted to ask you about. Have you ever heard of the still face experiment? Mm-mm. So they, they, they did this experiment where there's a baby, little baby, little infant, and there's like a, their mom or a, or a woman. Um, there who's like smiling and like, yay, you know, like really engaging with them and, you know, smiling. And so the baby's really happy and feels calm and feels accepted and feels that external uh, love and validation and all of these things that's happening. And then the woman turns away like this and turns back just like blank face, still face. And the child immediately starts crying. But it like just to see the impact of, and I don't really know what it means, but it, it just struck me as something because you mentioned this a couple of times, just the impact that we have on each other when you are getting something neutral back, that, that, uh-huh. that the neutrality doesn't mean anything, but you internalize it as, as hate or loathing or I don't care about you or, you know, dismissal or abandonment or whatever it is, all of those things. Um, it is, it's pretty shocking. So anyway, go, um, go watch that video. But one, now, one thing that my, my coach says a lot is 
people with ADHD have, whether it's time blindness or, or other things or, the, or this physical pain, emotional pain, the middle of something is always, always so hard. Like, I can see the big picture mm -hmm. all day. I can dream yeah. and dream and dream forever. And I can, mm -hmm. I can, I have no problem with beginnings. I'm excited to get down to mm -hmm. work on something brand new. Yeah. Uh, like, like a neutral face. Uh, it's, it's, it's the not knowing. We understand happy, we understand angry, we understand sad, but anything that's not maybe falls in the middle. Oh, there's so much unknown. Yeah. Wild. Wow. Uh, wow. Do, do you want to hear real quick uh, before we sign off of this eight hour episode of ADHD 20, the podcast that finds the intersection of <laughs> all things neurospicy and all things RPGs. Uh, do you want to hear the Venn diagram between ADHD and general anxiety disorder? Because we have had a lot of people ask about this in our discord as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. So ADHD often defined as craving novelty and new experiences may experience anxiety associated with our own ADHD struggles. We have difficulty regulating attention and focus and hyperactivity and impulsivity. Anxiety defined by excessive and uncontrollable worry experiences anxiety over a variety of things. Uh, worry disproportionate to the actual risk or stressor and then causes significant distress and interference with school work or home life where the two meet where we can all play together in the same sandbox sleep issues mm. tires mm. easily fatigue mm. difficulty with concentration uh, working memory impacted this is a big one for me and for all of us i think intrusive thoughts higher rates of gi issues restlessness muscle tension and irritability interesting Dang. interesting those are the things so that both Groups that experience. Yeah. Interesting. So interesting. Sleep number is a number one. Sleep is my sleep, sleep has always sure. been impacted greatly. Um, yeah, I I for I didn't say this explicitly a while ago when you diagnosed me with GAD that um, you were not the first person to diagnose me. <laughs> uh, it's been a, a lifelong. It's really as long as I can remember. And um, a lot of the things on the anxiety um, side uh, line up for me as well. Just so you know that. Let's start a podcast, Evan. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just sweet, sweet anxiety a babies. AD twenty. GAD twenty. GAD twenty. Yeah. Great. Perfect. Let's go. I feel it like we didn't talk about any fun stuff. I feel like I came on your podcast. I'm the most boring of all of your You're guests. The... If you need to tank I... this episode, I, no. I won't be. I won't be hurt. There... Intrusive no, thought. Is. Get out of here. Get out of here with that anxiety thought right there. No, sir. <laughs> this is darling. All, no. all, it's not that we didn't talk about fun subjects. It's that we had a lot of ground to cover to lay, you know, kind of, this is not your first episode. Or this is not your yeah. last, since your first episode, this is not your last episode. This is your last episode. <laughs> this is not it's your last definitely episode. my last. <laughs> this is our last episode. <laughs> it's, Signing yeah, off it's not just for... my last episode. It's your last episode. <laughs> I wanted to look up something, uh, speaking of stuff randomly off the internet. And, yeah. and I looked up seven, because I, I had a therapist once that said there's really, there can be very good things about anxiety. And again, just, just take that. Taking that exactly. So here's here's some that not only can I apply to you as a human being, but also uh, and, and as a business partner and a friend uh, and as a creative partner. But also, I could I see these things in your being a player in the game. Number one, motivation. You 
can motivate. You can the things that that should motivate Allison and me that that motivates so many people money <laughs> uh <laughs> rewards of any kind just may not do it maybe it will maybe it won't never know but motivation i am just like always just stunned at how how well you can just go resilience is a really cool one um just because you you just like it can kind of like makes you stronger. You you can be a stronger person. I I think I think that's very true. Cautiousness. You could take that either good or bad, but I think cautiousness can definitely you know protect you from danger. And therefore, for those couple of things, longevity generally uh, is a yeah, is a you plus. get to suffer for longer in life. You get to suffer. You may be suffering, but you're living longer. <laughs> that's right. Uh, you can do that's that's yeah. really cool. Uh, and here's two that I I'd say gameplay. Um, I'll start with you just as a creative force, because we, we've talked a lot about uh, how we work together, business stuff. Uh, but as an artist, uh, you are a very, very strong leader. You're a very good leader. And, mm, you know, we, we, we want at this point in our careers, we want to take Bivens Brothers Creative and you and I want to, we all want to take on more creative director roles. And you are just so freaking strong at that. It says, uh, you're, you're prepared for crisis when it arrives. Um, you see, you process threats differently. Mm. Uh, and you take action. Mm. Where Alice and I will just be blah, 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 spinning around. You're like, okay, nah, we got to do this. Or whatever, mm. whatever the impulse is, right? And then empathy. Empathy, and I, I think that I think that sometimes you, your first reaction might be, "Why aren't they doing it the way I need them to, or what it is?" But with just just a five minute break, I watch you go, "Oh yeah, I understand what you guys are going through," and and that especially as a player, you are such an empathetic player in all the games. You, you will, we will build an empath character for you. Uh, well, and that's what you were describing with your read. I mean, the fact that you can kind of siphon in all the energy of the room and feel it, that is literally an empath, Evan. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and that can be super powerful. And you, I, as a game master, I see you as a player, like listening. And, and you may, the, your anxiety says that you may walk away and regret the things you say. I am stunned and delighted because mm -hmm. I watch you go uh, like maybe you will come in with with a good leadership, strong decision. You'll read the room and then you can start some of the most deep or emotional or funny moments we've ever had playing hmm. together. Oh, Jeez, you guys. I have long said, you want to have some fun at D&D, &D, get yeah. you an Evan Bivens at your table. That is, that's the way. That is the way. You are the reason that this game has meant this much to me for as long as it has. Because from session one, you were just willing and able to freaking go for it in an unreal way. And I love that Aww. about you. So It's the best, man. It's just the best damn... Oh, come on now. It is. It's the best it game. Is. It's the best. And it, it is a, a form of therapy. Well, Evan Bivens, uh, I've been proud to know you for my whole life uh and proud that you're my brother and uh, same brother proud that you're glad that you were on this podcast i wouldn't be me without you same same yeah yeah True. i love you i love you too love you too okay love you too
love you too. I love both of you a whole lot. Yeah. All right. You guys ready to get engaged? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm there. I choose me. Yes, girl. Woo! I want another ring. I want a ring like yours too. I know. My hands are naked. I should fix that. Yeah. Fix it. Put a ring on it. I like it. So I think I'll put a ring on it. There you go. There you go. There you go. Well, yes. Thank you, Matt and Evan, the brothers Bivens, for being on my podcast. Nice. Thank you, Allison. Thanks for letting me be on your podcast, Allison. <laughs> Thank you for being on my podcast, too. It's weird to be signing off here and not hearing the music. <laughs> Thank you for listening and being a part of our ADHD20 family. If you're looking for more, we'd love to see you in our public Discord server. Look for the link in our show notes and come join the chatter about all things TTRPG and ADHD. But also TV, music, really pretty much anything on our minds. We also have a Patreon where you can get access to bonus content and outtakes, be the first to hear new episodes, join us for live streamed recording sessions, and even play Dungeons and Dragons with us and our friends. The best way you can help us, though, is just to share this podcast with people you think like it. Thank you for being a pal to us as people, to ADHD20 the podcast, and to the Greater Bivens Brothers Creative Commonwealth of Nerds.